Hey everyone, welcome to the C3 Church Global Podcast with yours truly, Phil Pringle. So glad to be speaking with you today. Thanks for having me in your earbuds or earbuds or down at the gym or in the car or wherever you're listening. I'm believing that this message will really be a blessing and inspiration to you and feed your spirit, make you strong on the inside, especially in a world in which we're living today where there's so much turmoil, praying for peace and reconciliation and for justice and righteousness to flow like a river into our culture. God bless you. Looking forward to sharing this message with you right now. Don't you love worshiping? I I think it's one of the highest and one most wonderful things that we can do. Our spirit was built to worship. Humans were built to worship. And if we don't worship the Most High God, we're going to worship something. Even in the most ancient of civilizations, you'll find that they are worshiping uh, something. Uh, in the most primitive uh, civilizations, the sacrificing and worshiping. And uh, that's something that is unique to humans who have the spirit of God within them. It's not something that animals will do, but God has put his spirit within every human and that aches to worship. And so we are thrilled to be able to draw people towards the, the true object of our worship, which is God himself through Christ. And uh, in this series we're doing in the lead up to Easter, where we're so looking forward to uh, joining you and you joining us next weekend with uh, our Easter services on Good Friday and on Easter Resurrection Sunday. Uh, Please make sure you prepare for Good Friday when we will have communion uh, together so that you have a small piece of bread and a glass with juice in it or whatever you use there. And we'll have communion together. Today in this message, But God, uh, it's a series that I'm doing uh, based on this book that uh, I wrote a number of years ago. And so Acts 10 verse 39 verse 40 says, We apostles are witness of all he did throughout Israel and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by crucifying him, but God. I just, it's 61 times in the Bible that phrase, but God. God. People try and do all sorts of things. Circumstances try and do all sorts of things. The devil tries to do all sorts of things. But God, (laughs) you've got to remember that God is for his people. He's for people. And uh, no matter what's trying to destroy them, you've got a but God factor in your world. He's for you. He's on your side. And we live in a world where there's a lot of negativity right now, Uh, a lot of anxiety which I understand, and panic and fear. And uh, people tend to uh, become other people, if you like, when they're in that level of anxiety, the the line between anxiety and anger or or panic and fuming can be quite fine. And so we we shouldn't let our emotions start to rule us uh, too much in these times uh, because we won't think right. We won't start behaving correctly. We, We need to keep faith alive which will keep us poised, calm, walking in peace, knowing that God is with us, that we will, He will provide and we will find a way through. Some of the, the thinking of history fascinates me. Thomas Watson, uh, who was the chairman of IBM in 1943, he said, I think there is a world market for maybe five computers. That's in 1943. Uh, Obviously, that 
didn't happen. Ken Olson, the president and chairman of the founder of Digital Equipment Corporation in 1977, just 50 years ago, less than that, said there is no reason anyone would want a computer in their home. I mean, could not see a future where computers were, were going to be in people's homes. Uh, here's, here's one where Fred, uh, regarding Fred Smith, who in, invented uh, FedEx, which is around the world delivery of parcels, which has been taken up by so many companies. Uh, his university professor said to Fred Smith's paper proposing reliable overnight delivery service, he said, the concept is interesting and well-formed, but in order to earn better than a C, the idea must be feasible. Feasibility, he didn't think that it was feasible. Impossible dreamers will always have a lot of negative thinkers around them saying it's, it's just not gonna happen. H.M. Warner in 19, he lived through 1881 to 1958. In 1927, he said, who wants to hear actors talk? This is in the days of silent movies. He's saying, we're going we're gonna to put microphones on. He said, who wants to hear actors talk? How we can get so stuck in our negative thing, in the status quo, in the normal, that we can't see that there could be a new normal, that there could be a change, that we could advance into a whole new era. And people get stuck because of this negative thinking in the way things have always been. But it doesn't have to be like that. You and I can make a decision today, but God. No matter what's trying to keep us stuck in the past, but God will break us out into the future. The Decca Recording Company in 1962, regarding the Beatles, the Beatle rock band, pop band, said, we don't like their sound and guitar music is on the way out. <laughs> oh, you never want to be caught with just dismissing something new something that's coming on the scene that's popular, something that simply because it's new. Try and be an early adopter. Try and be somebody who says, wow, we can see a future in this. And don't just be blind faith, but have a, have a realistic, calculated faith that says, this is, we, we should explore these, these opportunities, this, what could happen here. And in the midst of disastrous times, like we're seeing right around the world now, uh, people with, a bright mind of hope, believing that there's a way into a better future, are going to find themselves accessing strategies from the mind of God. No doubt about it. This is the one I like the most of all these negative predictions and people who could not cope with uh, something new coming on the scene. A guy called Charles H. Duell. He was the commissioner of the U.S. Office of Patents, meaning new inventions. Okay, so he directed this office. In 1899, in 1899, Charles said, everything that can be invented has already been invented. 1899, more inventions have happened in the last 50 years than ever in the history of mankind. Don't be thinking that everything that's been invented has been invented. There are millions of more inventions to be made, millions of more books to be written, songs to be written, uh, movies to be made. It is 
it is limitless as the mind is, as our creativity is, as our access to God is. Don't be thinking, I'm stuck here, but God. He got Jesus out of a tomb, out of a grave. You crucified him, you tried to shut him up, you tried to keep him down in that negative position. But God had a way to get him out of that condition into a, today he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven. And so never let the negative thinkers put you down. Here's, here's one last one from a quote from Randolph Churchill. Randolph Churchill was Winston Churchill's father. Okay, and in 1874, he wrote him a letter. And the letter goes like this. If you cannot prevent yourself, he's writing a letter to Winston, his son. If you cannot prevent yourself from leading the idle, useless, unprofitable life you have had during your school and later months, you will become a mere social wastrel, one of the hundreds of public school failures, and you will denigrate into a shabby, unhappy, and futile existence. Even fathers sometimes find it hard to believe in their sons' possibilities and futures. Families can rail against us. Negativity can be all around us. But listen to me. But God, the Bible is full of faith, faith-giving statements that connect with the power of God. I'm not just saying become a positive mental thinker. That's not what this is about. This is about having a positive mindset and having a faith on the inside, but understanding that that faith is in someone else and that is God, that His power in us will enable us to think through things, accomplish great things, and beyond us, achieve incredible things for us in miraculous ways and uh, in circumstances that, we, that are beyond our control. God is on the throne. He reigns. He rules. And when we put our faith in Him, we activate the power that created the entire universe, which is God Himself. You know, this but God, just that little phrase 61 times in the Bible fascinates me because so many of the writers of the Bible used it. 2 Timothy 4.16, Paul says, At my first defense, no one stood with me. When he was defending himself against the accusations of the Jewish people, the, the Romans, everybody was coming against him and trying to get rid of him. And the first time he, he was completely alone. He said, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. How about that? that? That's a bad day. I just want to linger on that point for a second. When you have brought people to Christ, you have built their helped them build their churches. You've helped them get a beautiful life, helped them start out on the right foot again and given them a fresh start. Not just one or two, but thousands, hundreds of thousands of people right across Asia. And yet when he was under attack, he found nobody would stand with him. It's, it's mind blowing to me. He, he said, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. And then he says, but the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. So good. But the Lord stood with me. When everybody else, my friend, has forsaken you and you feel so alone, so alone, even when you might have expected certain people to stand with you, but they're not, understand this, the Lord, He will stand with you. Be gracious to them too. Don't let it buckle your attitude and send you into a spin. 
Stay sweet. Stay gracious. Don't let that sourness ever get a hold of you. Don't be offended. Paul had a big spirit. So they, they might have all gone, might have all forsaken, but the Lord stuck with me. And uh, it's amazing. Uh, Genesis 31, 7. Here, here is this guy. I mean, he is amazing because he's saying, your father has deceived me. This is Jacob, uh, who later became Israel, the, the father of that nation. And he's, he's talking to his wife and he's saying, your father has deceived me. His wife's name was Rachel and Laban, the father, deceived Jacob a few times. He says, your father's deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, meaning lowered them. And, but God did not allow him to hurt me. But God, he's tried to oppress me. My employer, my father-in-law, he's saying, the people I should be able to lean on in a time of trouble, they've just given me a really bad time. He's but God did not allow him to hurt me. So when employers or our jobs are on the line, difficulties have come and I feel so pained for people who are uh, in financial straits right now, having difficulties. We're praying for you and believing with you. And right now I'm, I'm simply saying, put your eyes up on the Lord. Let God be the factor in your life that will get you through your worst circumstances. And we see time and again that, that this phrase, but God comes alive in Scripture. Genesis 48 verse 21 says, Then Israel said to Joseph, Now this man that we just talked about, he said, but God delivered me from Laban and didn't let him hurt me. Now he says, he's saying those same words to his son Joseph. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am dying, but God will be with you. So Joseph was nervous. His father was like the man of God. He was like God in his life. It was like having the wisdom of years, the counsel of heaven in his ears from this man. And, and Israel saying, but don't be afraid. I know I'm going, but God will be with you. And there may be people who leave us and have gone from our lives. Know that God is still with you. He will never leave you. He will never abandon you. In the New Testament, in the Amplified Bible, that particular scripture says, I will not, I will not, I will not in any way leave you or leave you helpless or abandon you. Incredible. He wants to make give us assurance after assurance after assurance that He is never going to leave you nor abandon you. He's with you in whatever trial you're facing. So Joseph, Israel told Joseph, but God, will be with you. Joseph, he got this but God concept. And so in verse uh, Genesis 50, verse 20, he's talking to his brothers. Now, oh, it's a long story. But, but Joseph, Joseph was that sort of young, precocious child who his father loved. He was his youngest boy and Israel loved this kid. And he he ended up making him this coat. You've heard of it, the coat of many colors. Beautiful coat. And 
I don't know about you, I'd be, I'd be thinking twice about whether I'd wear it or not because it indicated that I was favoured above the other brothers. And there weren't like one or two, it was like a, a dozen. And so he's, but he puts it on. He wears it, walks around because he wanted to honour his father's love for him more than try and gain the favour of his brothers. So rather than live with the fear of man, we should honour the God who has blessed us and wear the joy and the grace and the, the blessing that He puts in our lives. And so Joseph wore it, but the brothers hated him. Oh, they hated him. And then he had dreams. He had dreams that they were from God, but it was like, kid, what are you saying? He said, I saw the stars all bowing down to me and I'm the sun and, 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 and even this, the sun and the moon, the father and the mother are going to bow down to me and, and then sheaves of wheat are in the field and they're all bowing down to me. And it's like, you don't tell that to your brothers. But he did. And they, they didn't cope with that at all well. They hated this little kid. So much so their hatred grew to such a, a fever pitch. They said, let's kill him. They were ready to murder their own brother. So they took him out to murder him. But one of his other brothers said, whoa, let's not do this. Let's, let's, and he interceded for him. He said, let's, let's sell him. That, at least that's one step better, maybe. I'm not sure, but better than killing him. So they sold him. They had him down a pit and th then they decided they wouldn't leave him there to die. They brought him out and there was a caravan of, so of slave traders going by. They said, let's sell him. So they did. <clears throat> and off went Joseph shackled chains around his hands, chains around his feet, hobbling through the desert as one of a long line of these poor bedraggled slaves off to the slave market. But you know, the, the Bible says the word of the Lord was trying Joseph at this time. He had a but God factor in his life. And I don't think he was shuffling through that desert, round shouldered, sagging arms, bent at the knees, head hanging low. No, he had a vision of what he was going to be in the future. Oh, listen to me, people. Li really? No, I mean, listen to me now. He had a vision from that dream that he had, he was going to live like a king, that he was going to rule in this life. Romans 5.17 says we reign in life with Christ Jesus. He had a vision of himself like that. He wasn't walking round-shouldered, knuckles dragging on the ground. He was walking like a king because that's how he felt on the inside. He was a product of his future, not a product of the hatred of his brothers, not a product of being almost murdered, not a product of being sold as a slave. He was a king inside. So he walked like a king. And when he got to down into Egypt, uh, the wealthiest man in town, a, name called, a man called Potiphar, bought him because here he stood on the block, tall and strong, looked like a prince. All the others just dragged themselves up on those blocks and they got shuffled off somewhere. Not Joseph, stood like a king. He said, I'll have that man. He suits my house. So he took him back to his wealthy house. You think, whoa, he was down the pit as a slave. Now he's gone back up the ladder. He's in the wealthiest man's house and and then, and then that man made him the overseer of his entire house because everything Joseph touched got blessed. 
he had the blessing of God on his life because he had a vision of who he was in his future. And that was shaping him. That was modifying him. So the whole household came under his control. However, Potiphar's wife had eyes on Joseph. She thought, I, I want to take him to bed. And Joseph had integrity. The, the, the wife came up to him, grabbed him, said, come, come lie with me. And he, he said, no, how can I do that? And he took off and she was left holding his coat. And she screamed and said, this Hebrew tried to come in here and, and rape me and made a false accusation against him. So he was then thrown into prison, up and down, up and down. That's the story of Joseph's life, thrown back into prison. Like, I thought I was getting somewhere with my dream, with my vision, but now he's back in prison. In prison, he starts hearing dreams from other prisoners and he interprets their dreams. He helps other people achieve their dreams while he is in the worst of circumstances. He could have been sulking, mooping around, but God was with Joseph. So he interprets the dreams of these guys and he says, hey, when you get out, remember me. Well, do you think they did? Not a chance. <laughs> they forgot him. And he still kept a pure heart though. He didn't let his attitude go south because the blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. When you've got a pure heart, you get clear vision. And hatred blocks that vision. John says, if you've got hatred in your heart, it blinds you so you can't see where you're going. But Joseph had a pure heart, clean heart. And eventually the king had a dream and he couldn't understand it. He tried to get everybody to tell him what's, and nobody could understand it. But then the guy who, that he'd helped interpret the dream, he realized that, oh, my Lord, there's a guy down in prison He's very good at this. He, he, he interpreted my dream and it, it came true. So they called up Joseph, said, come up here. So he shaved, he got himself looking right like it. So he'd be acceptable in the court of an Egyptian king. He stood before the king and the king said the vision and he said, this is what it is, king. It's seven years of plenty. Then you're going to have seven years of famine. And it came, this dream came to you twice because it's from God. He said, and I'd advise you to store up during your prosperous years so that you've got an abundance during the years of famine. Well, he interpreted the dream, but he went beyond the brief and gave him some counsel. That counsel turned Egypt into the wealthiest nation on the earth because when everybody else was in famine, then they had this extraordinary level of finance. The king made Joseph the prime minister of the entire land of Egypt. Amazing story. In the famine all around the world, eventually Joseph's own brothers who had tried to kill him were in the famine and they heard that there was grain in Egypt. So they traveled up, but they had to go and see the prime minister to get their request. They bowed down before him. They didn't know it was Joseph. He was looking like an Egyptian. Kind of, and he did not let them understand who he was through several meetings with them. They still didn't recognize him until he could contain himself no longer. And he broke out weeping. So joyful to see his brothers again and to help them. And he says to them, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good 
in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. The Bible says that God had sent Joseph into Egypt. Unusual way of sending a man, being sold as a slave, thrown into prison, etc. However, we must understand that however we are being we're traveling into the future. We're being sent by God through all the various circumstances to bring healing to nations. He was sent there to become exactly what that original vision was, to be this king-like figure that his own family would bow down to, which happened. It came to pass. But through that, he was able to supply so many people all around the world provisions because of the counsel he'd given the king of Egypt, because he had a but God factor going on in his life. And I'd say to you today that whatever it is that you are facing, friend, but God has a plan, but God is able to break through into your world. And so I'm praying for you today that you'll be able to grasp a hold of some faith, grasp a hold of the goodness of God, the power of God, and understand that He is able to help you get to where you're meant to be. If you've never asked Christ to come into your life, please do so today. If you've never prayed a prayer that says, God, come into my world, then please do that. If you're coming back, follow this prayer that I'm, I'm going to pray in a, in a couple seconds. Or if you're just not sure that you're going to heaven, please make sure you pray these, these words to God with me right now. Let's pray. If you could say these words to the Lord after me, dear God in heaven, I ask Jesus Christ to come into my life. I ask to be born again. Cleanse me from all sin. Help me follow you. Thank you, God, for saving me. Amen. Now, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time, please contact us using the details on the bottom third of your screen or else uh, log, get on the live chat. Say, hey, I just received Jesus. So, guys, uh, healing is something the church should be bringing to this world all the time. And, you know, while I'm sitting here, I get a distinct feeling that there's somebody right now you're struggling with asthma at a high level. And I'm believing that God can heal you today. So I'm going to pray for you for that asthma to start lifting off. It's been brought on by panic. It's been brought on by anxiety more and more. But it's going to get less and less. In the name of Jesus, let healing come into you. I want you to meditate on the Word of God. By His stripes we were healed. I want you to meditate on Scripture that promise healing, that God is with us and that He has brought healing to us through the work of the cross. I want to pray for people who also who are struggling with rheumatism. And I believe that God has got healing for you today. I get this uh, real strong sense of married couples who are more, more advanced in their age, who are struggling with their health. Why don't you reach out right now towards just do something like that. Reach out towards the cameras and I'm going to pray for you and believe God that He'll touch you here today in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I pray for Your healing power to touch anybody watching today's program with rheumatism, asthma, you're going, you're leaving. Uh, 
skin conditions, you're lifting off people's lives. Thank you, Father, for the healing power of the great Holy Spirit traveling into people's lives right now. Lord, I feel your heart breaking for people who are struggling with illnesses that are, cannot be healed medically. Thank you for all the medical doctors in the world, Lord, and who are standing on front lines in today's world. But there are some things that are even beyond them. And I know that healing can come to you, even though you have been told it's impossible. And for some of you have been given a, a death sentence, a, a report that is deadly. Well, here's the thing. Isaiah said, whose report are you going to believe? And I want you to believe the report of the Bible, the scriptures of God's that have come out of God's mouth. He has said, I will heal you. And his power and his Holy Spirit are here to bring healing and miracles into your life in Jesus name. God bless you. Well, thanks for listening in today. It's always a great privilege for me to be sharing the Word of God. And I'm so glad that you've uh, picked up on this podcast and uh, share it with a friend. Let them find out more about C3 Church Global as well. And uh, I'm telling you that one of the great ways to retrain and refresh is at C3 College. That is a dynamic and personable and accredited leadership and ministry college that equips us for a life in following Jesus and becoming an effective ministry for Him. If you want to uh, know more about that, I'd love you to jump onto c3college.com on your browser and you'll get a whole lot more info. It is one of the greatest colleges on earth today. So many thousands of leaders have graduated from this college uh, we started it in 1983, and uh, we've seen so many churches born out of the leaders who have graduated from this college. So many connect group leaders, so many people in the marketplace and business, etc. It, it trains people just to do life and to do it well and to be a minister for Christ, no matter whether it's in the secular world, in the marketplace or in the church. And we're looking forward to talking again with you next week. So see you then.